Hello and welcome to Cameras or Whatever, the podcast for working photographers. I'm Tyler Stallman. And I am Cameron Whitman. And we didn't set a topic for today, so we're just going to talk about stuff. It turns out we've been working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the theme of the show. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you want to talk about today, but my mind is on cameras. <laughs> like I've, I've, been te- <laughs> no I've, I've been testing a lot of different cameras lately, so I kind of have some thoughts about new ones. Do you, do you want to hear them? Is that interesting to you at all? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my, my mind's been on whatever, so. <laughs> all right, well, then we got this show covered, so. Uh, okay, so I, I've been testing a few different things. Uh, the one that, that I showed you that I have, but I have the least to say about, because I didn't really try it yet, is I've got a Hasselblad. It is, mm-hmm. it is, it is not mine, but I've, um, I've been chatting with the folks at Hasselblad a bit more. I got to see their New York office, and they were kind enough to lend me a uh, H6D, the uh, 100 megapixel version. So let me let me get this Ooh. right. It's the H6D 100C is like the full model. Name. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's it's that like you could get different backs on the H6D. I think you could get the 50 megapixel back. This is the... Yeah, I the believe that's 100. true. Yeah. yeah. And, and now they have the 400, 400 megapixels. And I got to see that in person. But that is, that's a whole body. You can't swap that back. And to get 400... <laughs> 400 megapixels it's multiple exposures and um actually really challenging to shoot uh they they were talking me through it a bit we didn't shoot anything on it but he was saying that it's actually so sensitive and like that is such a sharp thing that you can't shoot it in a lot of new york and and get a sharp image like in their building the vibrations are too strong to get a, a sharp image and like trains going by and, and trucks going by. So like you have to be in the middle of nowhere because there's no earthquakes and um, just, yeah, realizing what 400 megapixels means is crazy. Wow. So how do you use the camera? <laughs> this was the helpful part of actually talking to people from Hasselblad in person was learning about who the customers are for these because a lot of people are like, you know, 100 megapixels, 400 megapixels, what would you ever need that for? How could a camera be this expensive? And um, they just don't understand what these markets are. And, and I, you know, now I do a bit. Uh, and the biggest customer and the most important, one of the most prestigious com- customers to Hasselblad as well is museums. Um, so there's mm. artifacts that only can be exposed to light every century or less. Like they really degrade quickly by any light exposure. So they very rarely come out to be documented. So they'll have museums that are shooting pieces that haven't been photographed since the 20s, um, you know. Holy crap. And every time they're photographed, it needs to be the best capture method available at the time. So that's what Hasselblad is aiming to create. So uh, when, <laughs> when they're doing, say, print reproductions from um, like of, of paintings and stuff, why would you not want a 400 megapixel file of it. You know, you want it to be perfect, perfect, perfect. You, the, the, it, when, when you're capturing the Mona Lisa, why would you have anything less? That's really important to Hasselblad and something they take a lot of pride in is is being able to capture that. So, Wow, that's that's actually really informative because I never would have known that. Yeah. And I, I think I've always kind of, whenever I've seen any you know indication of any megapixels over 50, really, what's the um, yeah, I'm like, God, why would you want to work with that? But no, that makes sense in that context. Yeah, yeah, there, there really is a good reason. Um, but there's not a lot of people that buy these cameras. That's part of the thing to remember. Even if it, they're, they're super specialty. That's part of why they're expensive, too, is because there's not going to be a lot of customers. So to do this R&D, they need to charge a lot for it. Um, you know, I, I imagine that their 
customer list is like a 12 people or not in the hundreds though they probably have the phone number of almost everybody that's going to buy this 400 megapixel camera right like they're not <laughs> this is not a wide distribution thing so this explains why they haven't called me <laughs> exactly uh <laughs> so anyway i haven't properly shot with it yet so i have no nothing to go into but you know i'm hoping to review it a bit for youtube and, and talk about it more there so more info to come yeah that's fascinating yeah. It's social, you know. It, it it's now that I know that I'm going to be judging people, you know, that that <laughs> use something like this, you know, depending on what they're using it for. But obviously, but I think that you know, if somebody was shooting a 400 megapixel image for stock, I would <laughs> just die. I don't think you're going to find many people. I mean, yeah, it's such a challenge. Those cameras are very expensive. I think th- there will be more shooting 100, which is still crazy. Like looking at those those files are. Each raw file is over 200 megabytes, like 225 or so. Yeah, wow. I mean, you really... I imagine somebody like Andres Gursky would like go crazy with a camera like that. It would be amazing, right? Yeah, there are people, Bertinsky, you know, people that can use this, but... Yeah, but, you know, I think that for even your your average professional, this is just overkill. It is, but, you know, overkill's fun. Like, why not? Let's let's overkill. I mean, like, look, if I got the money, you know, like, why not? Which we all do. Uh, and, I mean, and it's like for context, this is about thirty thousand US, I think. No, so isn't it? Let's look it up. Let's yeah. look it up. You, Which one are you talking about? You're talking A60 about the HD one hundred C. Oh, the one hundred. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I actually, I don't know what the four hundred is. I don't even know if there is a price. The four hundred is fifty grand. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, thirty thirty three thousand for the one hundred. Yeah. And that's B- body only. Lens, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what are the lenses? Like the lenses I've got to test. I've got the 80 millimeter 2.8. Let's see. That costs 3,000. And then I've also got the, uh, I think it's 35. Yeah, 35, 4. Or 3.5. 35.35. Very excited. So would you say the lenses are comparable to, to high end SLR lenses, really? Yeah. And, well, lenses. and I, I complained last time when I had the X1D. Do, do you remember we did that episode about the... Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's their new line of uh, mirrorless medium format cameras, which is is really cool. It was a little buggy at the time, but has improved a lot. But I was complaining that the lens selection didn't allow me to really get shallow depth of field because none of them are very fast. Um, but this is a lo- uh, this is a more evolved lens line, the H HC series, no H system. That's what's called. Yeah, there are more lenses available. Two point eight is crazy fast, uh, so I can get that depth of field that I was missing last time. So that's gonna be fun. Wicked. I'm jealous. Yeah. Well, I mean, you should be. It's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. I, but like, if we if we live near each other, we'd be shooting it together, obviously. But yeah. Gosh. I might be. Uh, oh, no, I'm not going to fly with this. Don't make, gonna, don't make promises. Well, I was going to say I'm going to be in New York, but um, I won't, I'm not bringing this on a plane. So Why? Um, I just don't want to move around. I want this to sit in one place until I return it to them because it's so expensive. Right. Like <laughs> you know? if anything happens, yeah, like the, you're, on, you're on the hook. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to be very careful with this. So, so what you're saying is that you actually cannot afford it. Uh, no, <laughs> not, not remotely. I mean, I could, but then there's nothing else I could afford for a long time. Uh, right. so You'd I'd, never I'd have dead. babies. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, uh, okay, what about you? I don't want to, like, I, I have all these cameras I want to talk about, but I don't want to, like, take over the whole conversation. Do you have, do you have anything you're, like, kind of looking at lately or into lately? Well, I, to be honest with you, I was, 
you finally my curiosity is peaked with the Fuji camera with that new X-H1. Yeah, I haven't really paid attention to Fuji much lately. Like they've done, yeah. they've done cool stuff and they, they make good cameras. I can't say yeah. anything bad about Fuji. They make great cameras. Well, and they also double as a, as a half-decent video camera, right? Well, they do now. So I went to a screening last night from the Camera Store TV, our friend Jordan Drake, who's been on the show mm-hmm. a number of times, and uh, Chris Nichols, who is uh, his, his co-host, or m- more of the host of the Camera Store TV. Okay. He, they do things called Wooden Nichols. I don't know why, but that's the name of the series that they do where they recreate scenes from Hollywood movies to test cameras. So they used the new Fuji fresh production unit, like nobody else had it yet, to shoot a scene from. Oh no, now I forget which movie it's from. Um, anyway, <laughs> go to the camera store TV and watch. And they, um, uh, it's a movie with Tom Cruise. He's got gray hair. Collateral from Collateral, and uh, recreated it using the the Fuji. And so I got to see a demo of it on the large screen, which is really interesting. I don't get to see SLR work that often. Yeah. Like that. Um, so was, that was really neat. The biggest impression I had coming away from it, though, was uh, of the the camera specifically. The colors looked really good. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel like the grade wasn't targeted for the uh, the theater. So watch watch the YouTube video to judge the colors. But I also feel like it's a bit over sharp. It's interesting mm-hmm. because you could directly compare it to a Hollywood movie, which you usually you don't get that like such direct comparison, but you can put the shots side by side and be like, okay, what's the difference? And that's what really jumps out at you is like, it's just sharp, 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 like crazy sharp. And you'd think that would too only sharp. be a good thing. Yeah, but it was, it's a little too sharp. And that makes me think about how little I understand about photography when I'm like, but I thought sharp was good. And you watch the movie, the original movie, and you're like, yes, this is sharp. Everything's very much in focus. But then you watch the other one, you're like, but this is somehow sharper in a not ideal way. And I don't know what that difference is. So Well, it's because it's probably not mechanical sharpness as much as it is computational, right? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling that's, you. That's what I would assume. I'm you, I don't know. Like, yeah. I see that with drone footage all the time. It'd be like 4K drone footage that's just like so freaking sharp that like when you actually look at it with any amount of scrutiny it just looks kind of gross you know i, well, like I, th- I think that drone stuff though is p- like post production sure i know what you mean and yes but um, well watch, i that might I be a little that different i don't know that i'm that i'm trying to make is that like when you use something that's captured on you know smaller sensor with less information and then you add something like sharpening to it, like it's just a recipe for disaster. Like yeah. it just doesn't need it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And adding it is like it's kind of like you're trying to compensate for having cheap gear by adding sharpening. Right. It just doesn't, you know. I think that with most things digital to do with imaging, be it image capture or or motion capture. You just don't really need sharpening. Like you can add it, and like if you're uh, if you're skilled, you can add it to where it actually does have a beneficial effect. Mm-hmm. But in most cases, you're better off leaving it out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. You got to be very careful with it. It's a double-edged sword, and it's nasty. I'm sorry, um, but it's. I, I feel like it's one of those things, like. You know, when you're listening to music and and you can hear that that it was mastered to be redlined. You know, it's just this kind of nuanced thing that once you once you recognize it you can't unsee it you can't unhear it 
and it will make you crazy mm-hmm. for the rest of your days. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll figure it out someday. I got it's a more. consequence of seeing and hearing too much of things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so interesting things about it. I mean, I didn't get to test it properly. I, um, you know, I just used it in the store. I, I didn't really test it. So, um, but what it, what it got me thinking about, and this applies to many different cameras that are coming out now, is how very important image stabilization is starting to become. And uh, I, I was I was really feeling it because the same day I tested that, I rented the Canon C two hundred cinema camera, which mm-hmm. is like it's that's the that's the video camera I want. Like I. I loved that camera. It's meant to be cinema only. It doesn't shoot stills. It records in RAW, which is not super common for video cameras. And it just looks, the image is really, really beautiful. You know, it has the ease of, of Canon colors, which are sort of, you know, it's kind of quick to get something nice out of a Canon, but mm-hmm. tons of dynamic range, very usable body. Like it, it's just like made to shoot. It just feels so simple to, to get stuff done. And so using it, I'm, I'm loving it all night. And, and uh, while I'm shooting, I am thinking about how badly I want to buy this $8,000 camera. I can't really justify. And then afterwards, when I'm watching the footage, uh, I was using an IS lens, like a Canon stabilized, uh, the 24 to 105. And mm-hmm. the sensor isn't stabilized in the C200, which it is in my usual video camera, the uh, Sony a7R2. Mm-hmm. And wow, do I miss a stabilized sensor? Sometimes I just forget to appreciate how much stabilization helps. It's a really big deal. And Canon is not doing it on their sensors, and neither is Nikon. Yeah, And it's a huge disadvantage. When I imagine how I'm going to invest in my next camera, and I think about, like, okay, would I spend eight grand on a cinema camera like the C200 that is perfect in a lot of ways, or... I could get a Sony, like an A7R three, that's an awesome stills camera. It's small and lightweight. It doesn't have all the video stuff I want necessarily, but the quality, the image quality is more light. like for, in most cases, people won't spot the difference. And I can put any lens on it and it is stable handheld, like more or less stable. It's a huge difference. And I don't know what Canon's going to do about it because they are so far behind in this. They committed to this lens stabilization. So did Nikon. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big problem down the road. I, I think. I mean, I think they're painting themselves into a corner with it. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I was just looking to, to see like whether or not I could find, like, I feel like I heard a rumor that Nikon was going to do something about it, but I can't substantiate that at all. I mean, I'm sure they're testing it internally. I, I'm sure both are they have models of it that work in their development labs but mm-hmm. you know it's got it's got to come out now i was tweeting at uh, philip bloom about uh oh you who you don't know he does um video stuff he's like a prolific uh back in the vimeo days he was the one that taught a lot of us about how to shoot digital videos okay and um i was tweeting with him about the new m50 but yeah, his his responses to it, and he knows a lot more than I do, is just like, no matter what, Canon is like five years behind in the mirrorless world. So even if this is their first serious entry into it, it doesn't matter because they are still like way behind. And when he said, I'm like, I don't want to admit it, but you're probably right. Like I, I want to stick with Canon because that's where my glass is, but it's going to be really hard to do that if they don't get really serious about mirrorless like right now and release another version next year that's twice as good 
because they have yeah. to start leapfrogging themselves to catch up. What a shame. Yeah. But how are you feeling about Nikon these days? I mean, you still feel okay over there? Are you having the same struggles I am about sticking with your original brand? Well, I think it's a lot easier for me because A, I don't shoot video. Yeah, that and and B, like my uh, tolerance for a camera lasts far longer than yours does. <laughs> yeah. I still have the, the same three cameras that, that I've been using for since we started this podcast. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I haven't had any need to, to well, change. And, except in your film world. Oh yeah. I've got a whole bunch of those. <laughs> um, and that's more just like, you know, cause it's, it's, uh, that's more of an addiction, really. Yeah, well, and it's also, you know, it's a pleasure thing, right? Like, you know, you get certain just emotional pleasure from, you know, handling one gadget over another, you know? And so you kind of determine, okay, well, I really like shooting this type of thing, so I'm going to experiment and buy three more of these because they're <laughs> relatively cheap. You know, whereas with pro level digital cameras, it's kind of hard to just say like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to also buy the the fancy new Fuji mirrorless and while I'm also maintaining all my Nikon gear and like yeah. maybe I'll you know look at Canon for some video <laughs> no mm-hmm. you know it's just not it's not really something I can do you know I'm I'm still pining for that 850 but you know honestly it's just like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get it but you realistically like do how much do you need it I mean it's it just things That's, are moving faster in the video world stills world is more stable you know. It's way more stable, and that's just the thing is I really just can't justify it. I, I can still get, you know, I can still get perfect images from my D800, which is now five years old, six years old. Yeah, I don't know. In fact, I was I was using it uh, recently because I like to use it when I shoot studio stuff. I guess just you know having that extra resolution just seems kind of cool in that context, and I like to handle it in that situation as well. Whereas, like, I don't particularly like taking it out of the house, uh, just because it is bigger and bulkier and not as much fun. And you know, but the results I was that I've been getting from it when shooting in controlled situations are still excellent. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a comparison, of course. Like, I'd love to shoot at an eight fifty and, and an eight hundred side by side within my own controls. You know, be able to see what the differences are, and so I could know. You know, I mean, there's little gadgets and features that are different but you know there's more resolution but at the end of the day like for what i sell images for like is this going to make any difference for me whatsoever and i believe that the answer is still no so you know i haven't bought it yet so i think that it's more of like satisfying a different thing as a as opposed to a professional need there's an article More like I a desire. really enjoyed this week uh, that I'll link to in the show notes. And it was about that Canon, and you, you can probably apply, a, actually, I don't know if you can apply this to Nikon. This is about Canon specifically, that they haven't had any need to innovate. And we've all seen this, right? Like we complain about like, oh yeah, Canon and Nikon are just like kind of sitting in the mud. They're not pushing things forward. Meanwhile, Sony's blasting past them and Olympus and Panasonic and what was the other one? <laughs> and everybody, Fuji. Fuji. We're all are all like pushing things forward and releasing all these new cameras, and that's like that's amazing. But then what's happening is that they don't Canons still totally outsell everything else. And the total market of uh I don't know if it's all 
cameras are just um, professional DSLRs. But the market is flatlined. Like, it's not a growing market anymore. And Canon is still outperforming the market. Like, they are basically still growing. And that's crazy. Like, they are, uh, in spite of everything, are just still doing better and better. And that's obviously not the popular opinion. When you talk to camera enthusiasts, you'd think they're about to go out of business. But... They're totally not. And it's weird. Yeah. I actually love that. Yeah. <laughs> and anecdotally, like when people, casual photographers, uh, or sorry, not non-photographers, especially like people that are thinking about getting into it or just, you know, take their Instagrams seriously um, and they want something better. They're usually looking at Canon's when they come talk to me. Like I'll, I'll say like, oh, this A6500 is a really great choice from Sony. Or if you want full frame, the A7R3 or whatever. And they're like, yeah. But I, you know, I want a Canon. And that, yeah, like, that's so. happened like many times. There's just still this perception that Canon is the gold standard. And, and same as Nikon. I mean, I think it depends on who they, who their like family member they grew up around, which brand they were loyal to. But yeah, Canon and Nikon, I think still have a reputation. <laughs> and, and their gender. <laughs> right. Yeah. As we've discussed previously. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because like, I feel like Canon needs to innovate and they have every incentive not to because what they're doing is working. So, yeah, that's kind of the the situation with being in a in a business that you know has a lot of working parts, right? It's like you don't really start to change things unless it feels like a critical need. Yeah, until like a fire is lit under them, which is maybe why the Nikon uh, D850 is such an amazing camera because they they need it more. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're struggling for their place in the market more than Canon is. Yeah. As it goes, I mean, it still hosts the most impressive list of of functions or, or stats for a still camera. I mean, it's, yeah, totally, it's unreal, right? Like I said, you know, like in previous episode, that this actually feels like it would be a smarter move for me as opposed to upgrading to a medium format system. Yeah, it would. It'd be the responsible choice. Yeah. I just am at a point in my life where responsibility is very unfortunately necessary. (laughs) I want to be reckless and stupid. That happens to us all. But babies and things. Do you got any uh, picks for us this week? Nothing. Um, I'm saying this week and we haven't posted anything in a month. Yeah, we haven't posted in a while. Um, Honestly, like it's this year so far has just been like the grind, the most grindiest grind of my life. And like it's been harder and harder to like be interested in things other than just working and then like getting a break and babies. Yeah. Um, having a new one, you know, like even when in the in the first year, right after he was born, like I was still pretty enthusiastic about a lot of things outside of, you know, just my immediate responsibilities but this year has been tough and so you know i've been kind of just relying on uh like things like netflix you know to to keep me entertained (laughs) well then you must um, have some recommendations you've been watching a lot of netflix yeah so i I guess that we can we could talk a little bit about that because uh everybody well i don't know about everybody but like uh, i kept hearing you know snippets from people saying oh you got to watch altered carbon and then you know i also saw um somebody say like you know, somebody that I respect say something to the effect, and I'm going to butcher this. They basically said, take all the, the worst parts of this genre and that genre and combine them and you get altered carbon. <laughs> and and uh, it's kind of true, you know, it's like there, there's things to like about it, but it's it's actually really kind of bad, too. But I'm and I'm not done with it. 
but I'm still watching it, right? So like I'm I'm still kind of interested. And earlier today, in fact, I was talking about it and how I described it is it, it's just simply not Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not Blade Runner. Got it. Yeah, that actually says a lot. Yeah, and but like I, the, you know, something that is kind of intriguing about it, and you know, I'm wondering whether or not this signals the end of a trend. <laughs> You know, because usually, like you know, a trend kind of works on an arc. You know, and like you, you see it being used with, you know, by all the cool people um, and the highest regarded artists, and then, you know, once it starts to kind of trickle down to the more mainstream, and it starts to become like less subtle and more abused, and then it, you know, like that trend becomes starts to become trite. Mm-hmm. You know, we start to look at it with a, a bit of irritation. And that is that specifically the way they're lighting uh, the show. I still like it. You know, I still think it's really cool. I think it's probably the coolest thing about the show is is the way they're lighting it. But it does lack subtlety, and so I'm I'm afraid that maybe it is signaling the end of of cool neon. I, I kind of hope not because I still want to experiment more with using neon and gels and stuff. I was just thinking. I was watching uh, Riverdale. Well, Anya was watching Riverdale, and I was watching over her shoulder. <laughs> And uh, that's yeah. a very neon show. And I was like, hmm, that's fun. I could try that. I like it. And, you know, like, sadly, I just haven't had enough time for experimenting over just doing work, you know? You know, most of my clients expect a thing. So I just do that. And actually, like, experimenting and, and coming up with recipes for n- new looks is gets harder and harder to do once you get busy. And luckily, earlier on in my career, like, I bought a pack of gels and really experimented with them. You know, I just bought that, like, whatever that 25 pack that came from Palsy Buff, mm-hmm. you know, that was really cheap. That's I still have those. And then I also have one of those, actually I have many, I have like probably five packs of those like leaf filter samples, which are just, the, they're just so great, right? Because they're about exactly the size as your speed light. Right. You know, your, yeah, your yeah. Canon or Nikon. You can just tape it right on the top of that and instant gel. Yeah, it's a great hack. Oh, it's so cool. And so I have a bunch of those and you know, like I used to play around with them quite a lot. So I do have experience using them and so it it's not like I'm starting from nowhere, but I haven't had a lot of time to play with it and I really want to play with it more and I'm worried now that by the time I do something that I'm going to be happy with, it's going to be dead. <laughs> People are going to be like Nice. That's really great. Well, you know, it's it really comes cool that you did that. It comes and the, goes. Yeah. If it's gone, if it's gone this week, it'll be back next. But you know, like I just, you know, I've been really loving um, a lot of the the stuff that I've been seeing out in like in um, the Instagram feeds I follow and whatnot, and just seeing like really creative use of light used in areas where you wouldn't expect it. And it's really been triggering me to want to do it, and you know, but. Of course, then when I actually get down to the idea of planning it, I realize shit, that's a lot of work. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna need people to help me, you know, and like I'm gonna have to hire and I'm gonna you know, and like these are the, the worst things about being a professional, right? Because then you have to think about like, you know, will it even make me any money? Yeah, you know, like is investment. It, yeah. Is it just gonna be like is this just like a passion project? Like just something I'm gonna do so that I can get, you know, like sweet comments on Instagram and extra likes that never actually turns into any money. I think that's a good reason to do anything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, no, it is. You know, I think it's really cool to be admired, you know, as a, as an artist. But sadly, I'm also, um, I'm an artist that, that has to feed kids and satisfy the financial needs of my wife, you know? I mean, Parenting is the 
highest form of art. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It's also like serves as a, as a hell of a uh, a restrictor. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. Something I really, really, really like. Very, very strong recommendation. I think I've like hinted at them before, but now I have one, and that's the Aperture lights. Do Do you remember me talking about this? Did I talk about this on this show? Hold on. How do you spell it? A P U T U R E. Aperture. Because the way you said it, like Aperture. Yeah. Well, that's that's how you spell it. You've told me about a lot of different lights and this is not one of them but okay. this looks pretty interesting this is the light that i got so i'm super excited about it i got the 120d and when you look at it at a glance you could kind of imagine a, you can imagine it being a strobe basically it looks like looks like a traditional strobe light honestly but it's a led light that is very powerful and has a bowen's mount on it so you can treat this hot light well, it's not. I mean, it's an LED light, so it's not very hot. What do you what do you call it? Consistent light? Um, forever on light? What's the word for that? That's not hot light. Hmm. That's not a strobe light. What's that word? I mean, it's just it's just great continuous lighting that is that 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 continuous light <laughs> that is daylight balanced and it has like a really good color range because I've had LED lights before and they just did not have nice color reproduction. Like they looked super magenta. They did not match anything else. I I just was not happy with the color of them. So I haven't used them a lot, but this looks like daylight. I mean, it looks, it looks right. It looks like what you wanted to, and you can mix it with daylight and it still looks good. And it's, it's just really beautiful lighting. Like I said, it has a Bowens mount. So there's tons of accessories that work with it uh, that you can get for cheap. So like the softbox I have for it is it's also the aperture softbox and it was like 150 bucks. And I got the, amount. yeah, which doubles the light output from it. I, I think it was double. I don't remember actually, but um, the it also focuses. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so much stuff about it that is, it's like the. It reminds me of how Alien B felt. It so it's quite a bit more expensive than Alien B's. It's uh, so looking online. This is the C120, and it is six hundred forty-five dollars. Yeah, which is that is that is clearly more than uh, yeah. Well, like Alien what? B's. it's like. It's it's like 150 bucks more than an Einstein. Yeah, but it's so worth it. I mean, like, again, it's continuous lighting. Like, this has always been more expensive to get nice versions of. But you can slap a softbox on it that doesn't light on fire. You can put gels on it. <laughs> Don't melt. Yeah, and it looks so good. I melted in a gel oh <laughs> while Don't shooting with my son just a couple of weeks ago. It was horrible. He was freaked out. Try washing that off the the lamp. I'm like, oh god, yeah, I've been I've been there. Luckily, few times. it just got to the smoky stage and didn't actually start dripping. But yeah, yeah. it was a horrible smell. Yeah, so. it's always the worst. This looks really cool, and I'm I'm actually like. I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but I'm like. But you already ordered I, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I want to. This wouldn't be irresponsible, right? No, this no, would no. be legitimate. Oh, yeah. Well, do you remember? Uh, I, I got really even more interested in these. Uh, do you remember Jeff Way that um, was course, on, yeah. on the show earlier on? He's a Stocksy shooter and he's like super talented uh, photo team, Will Cushion Way. Mm-hmm. Just talking to him last time he was in Calgary about how they shoot their fashion stuff. And he's like, n- basically never strobes anymore. Always, uh, they use HMIs. So okay. that's not the same as, as LEDs exactly, but it's because they're usually renting because the clients are paying for it. Uh, HMIs are a lot more expensive, you know, so I used to rent HMIs as well. And like a Joker would cost, well, it costs like 80 bucks to rent, but to buy it is thousands, like 5,000 bucks Mm, and similar output to this, 
um, similar lighting control, and they're also a bit more finicky. HMIs, like, you need to worry about how you power them on and stuff. Okay. And they're just crazy expensive. And this is a tiny fraction of the price and looks similar. So so are you telling me that we finally have an Alien Bees for continuous? Yeah, basically. Holy crap. I know. It's really, really great. It's super exciting. And they're way better built. Like, Alien Bees work very well, but, like, they don't feel very nice. This feels like a premium product. Like This feels like an expensive light. It doesn't have that Alien Bee uh, cheapness to it. Yeah, well, I I will say that like I've had a lot of different alien bees, and I agree that like their you know standard product is is I mean it'll take a drop. I'll give it that. However, it doesn't necessarily feel all that yeah, awesome. They're more robust than they feel. It's kind of like a smart car. Like the way a smart car is engineered, is that but, if it gets in an accident, it bounces all over the place. It's kind of like an alien bee. You know, they they don't feel like they're tough, but they are. But let's also give them credit where they're due. Like the the Einsteins do feel quite a bit more professional. I, I've never felt an nine cents, so you got Yeah, there it's it's an impressive improvement. Right. However, <laughs> this is looking pretty radical. Yeah. Um the only thing that I'm seeing that feels like potentially a drawback for me is that the light dome just simply isn't big enough. Oh the softbox. Well yeah so if you don't like that one, which it's mm-hmm. it's like a medium sized softbox. And I I mean I find it kind of useful for most things. Like it I think it's a decent average size, but that's just theirs. Like you can go buy any Bowen's mount softbox, which you can get, you can get like eBay models for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So like I use those parabolic umbrellas from Uh, like big ones, big. Oh yeah. 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 The the buff ones are awesome. I have the 81 incher. The thing is, it's just unbelievably big. And you know what it does? It replicates window light. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be nice. Because it's so big. that So like if I'm shooting a food spread and it happens to be, you know, like now, like the wintertime, and I run out of light, I just set up the light and it's good to go. The thing that blows about it is that it's still strobe. And with that, I'd, I'd maybe look at the, uh, there's the 300D as well, which is uh, just quite a bit more powerful. And it's kind of hard to describe how powerful these are because they don't exactly equate to standard light unit measurements. So I still need to do some research to fully understand how to measure LED lights properly because it's not like the old days where you'd have a 1K or a 2K or whatever. Did you just say measure? Measure, sure. I like that. But yeah, the 300 is you know basically twice as powerful. So if you're using a bigger light source like that, you might want to look at the uh, the more powerful one there. But um, honestly, it is, it is... I'd rented it a few times before as well. So like I know... Uh, even though I just just got mine, I uh, I know how good they are. Um, so yeah, it's very strong recommendation. So how is this for doing video? So yeah, I mean that's why I got it. But the beauty is that it it is a legitimately useful crossover, right? That's the challenge. Is there aren't many things that, uh, or the best lights for shooting photo and video have typically been very expensive, like prohibitively expensive for normal people. I mean, it was just I I couldn't afford any of it. And it's great. It's so good. I mean, it's made for video. That's that's the big market for it. Most people buying this are probably buying it for video, but it's it just works for everything. And even like when I turn it on and I, I had it set up in my house today, I have it on for a few hours and I turn it off and I look around the house. I'm like, God, everything looks so much worse with my normal house lighting. Can I just use this to be my uh, <laughs> daily lamp? Because it, it just looks insanely beautiful. Um, and they have a tungsten version too, if you happen to need more tungsten. I mean... That's not what I need as much anymore. Daylight, so uh, oh, it has a remote too, so you can do all the controls wirelessly, which is like 
an awesome bonus. They don't even really advertise as being a primary feature, but from across the room, you could have all of them. You'd have four or five lights on different channels and control each one independently, set the levels without reaching up to grab them. And what about triggering? Well, they're not strobes. What do you mean? Oh, duh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beautiful thing. You don't Why would have I to, say uh... something? I mean, that that actually mitigates the price difference right there. Yeah. Because you know you have to pay, uh, you know, plus or minus two hundred dollars for the Paul Buff trigger, right? The Space Commander or Cyber Commander, um, or you have to pay more if you want to get the practically useless Pocket Wizards. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Sorry about that. I, I mean, it's really nice to to not. To just see your light while you're lighting, it's so great. Like I can't tell you. And then just shoot it. it yeah, yeah. Right? And you can shoot. On, I mean, you can shoot on your phone. And then the behind the scenes photos also look nice because it's always lit like that, and everybody on set can see what's going on. Like it's better. So it sold. is better. <laughs> sold. Yeah. No, it's great. Now I just have to talk her into it. <laughs> you just have to sell. Well, I'll just get her to listen to the episode. I think what I'll do is to say like, "Hey, so you really want to shoot video for your food stuff, right?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, even like uh Instagram stories, like anything. Like you can all of a sudden everything you do you can you can be uh posting behind the scenes stuff, you can tweet about it while you do it. You can like everything that you do all looks equally good without putting a trigger on it, you know? <sighs> yeah. Um so, yeah, check them out. App future you. Well, thanks a pew, lot. Pew. I think you just you just <laughs> you just possibly cost me some money. Anytime. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Cameron. <laughs> Come and listen to cameras or whatever. Find useful ways to spend all your extra cash. Useful in uh, air quotes. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> thanks, man. Take care. <laughs>